With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Navigating through the minefield of misinformation, intelligence operations, predictive programming. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Arrett on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Welcome to this week's episode of Connecting the Dots. I am Matt Arrett. I'll be your host on on Connecting the Dots. Now, um, there are a lot of different traps set about almost as a mental minefield in this war of information, this war of truth. And I have noticed that uh, there are some people who are really good, who have acquired really good skills through a deep study of history, a deep study of the mind, at navigating through the topography of a lot of these mental minefields of misinformation. Um, throughout history, one of the things that has caused good good causes, good anti-imperial movements to come undone have been people acting too quickly without recognizing how people who they trust. We had a show last week talking about Prince Bernhard the great anti-Nazi resistance fighter organizing the Dutch resistance was actually for the working with the Nazis. And this was proven over the course of the years, especially after he died, that he was always loyal to the SS and was selling out the Dutch resistance, even though he was saying all of the right things publicly to those who trusted him in fighting this fascist world government. Now, Today's world is uh, is not that different, although the, f- the 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 names have changed, the nature of the game has not, and uh, and Fox Green is somebody who has really distinguished himself as a great analyst, somebody who's sensitive to a lot of concepts that many people are not properly appreciating as far as the science of energy, the science of population growth, and Fox Green runs a uh, a website called Space Commune. He's also a filmmaker. Uh, there's going to be a new film coming out, a series of films. Um, we're going to watch a, a little or listen to if you're just listening or if you're watching, we're going to watch a small excerpt from a four minute trailer on Space Commune. And then we're going to talk to Fox Green about his movie, his series of movies that are coming up, his work and uh, and his thinking behind why he's doing this. So let's uh, let's run that section of the new film series Energy Empire. Industrial farming is the single biggest destructive force on the planet today. Vandana Shiva is the reason why there are no GMO foods in India. She's become kind of a rock star. It's like a phenomenon. This is Vandana Shiva. I'm Van. (laughs) That's a part of Vandana. Food is a weapon. When you control food, you control society. You know, energy. Lovely energy. There have been times when people would kill for these potatoes. Oh, you know, organic farming and a more sustainable approach to agriculture won't feed the world. And, you know, there are tens of thousands of them all, you know, competing, trying to get a mate, trying to say something to each other, trying to outcompete each other. Certainly a few parallels between the bird world and the human world. Albert Howard was sent by the British to improve agriculture. We, we cannot put all our trust in in giant operations and huge, uh, you know, industrial systems because they have within them the seeds of their own destruction. The whole of modern commercial farming was designed to battle against nature. The role he's playing behind the scenes and putting people together at creating coalitions that start to work on a different plane. He is a monarch of a different kind. 
There were Van Donnerschieb as another person for whom I have the, the most enormous admiration. I call him my friend who is the peasant prince. Oh, well, organic farming is all very well, but it's just for a niche market and it can only be afforded by people who, you know, have money. Very, very carefully uh, developed that Prince Charles should be made to look like he's some kind of a loony on the French. You would then make it more expensive to produce food in a way that damages the environment. 20% of the population will need to be involved with agriculture because host fossil fuel, we're going to need more um, human input. Cubans are all on bicycles now, you know, because there's no oil in the country. When the Revolutionary War started, the British grand strategy was to seize the Hudson River Valley. The idea was based on an old British idea, really, where they had river keepers who took care of the private trout and salmon streams for private fishing clubs. They began talking that night about violence. Somebody suggested that they drop a match onto the discharge from the Penn Central Pipe and blow it up. Another person said that they should float a raft of dynamite into the Indian Point power plant intake for the first time in history. The environmentalists have standing to sue if they can show that they take some kind of a spiritual and aesthetic pleasure from it. And it opened the door to environmentalists to come into court and start bringing these lawsuits. Plume of influence. Nature to me was always something that was important to fill some emptiness inside of me. Because he went to uh, Jesuit school, which I did too. I love politics. Uh, it's, it, it's politics is what I do now, you know, as an environmentalist. One of the first great battles of the environmental movement in this country was the fight over the Indian Point power plant. That was a selection of Energy Empire, a film series coming out on Space Commune, uh, conducted and, and, and written by Fox Green Fox. Thank you for coming on Connecting the Dots. How are you? Thanks for having me, Matt. It's uh, great to be here with you today. Foxy, yeah, in the course of reading your your exceptional essays that I'm sure have gotten into the script that will be coming online, we just heard Vandana Shiva, one of the great heroes of the resistance against empire. We we just heard the voice also of a younger Robert Kennedy, um, a student of Vandana Shiva. We've heard the voice also of Prince Charles and one of Prince Charles's key advisors and some others. Um what what is this film series about, and why did you decide that now is a, is an important time to make this uh, this story known? Well, a lot of things are coming together right now, right? Um, RFK is running for president. Um, a, a lot of the film sort of evokes this uh, Henry Kissinger line about supposedly a line that he said. Uh, there there's no official quoting of him saying this famous line that if you control food you control people and um shiva quotes this many times um and he you know kissinger just passed away so he's at the top of of mind for everyone this all what, what also just happened was the sri lanka incident with the organic farming and the collapse of their system so you know all these things are coming together uh, i think it's a good time to to illuminate to people how these people are connected behind the scenes um shiva even says herself that uh prince charles is kind of connecting a coalition of people behind the scenes now the trailer is um what i i used three separate documentaries to make this trailer so it's it's interesting because this is how people are kind of showing themselves in their in their best light uh one one documentary is about the river keepers for, back from like 2000 which is uh, about RFK and then RFK Jr., I should say. 
Then there's uh, the Seeds of Vandana Shiva, which came out, I think, 2014. And uh, then another documentary about Prince Charles and, well, now King Charles, and how he is all about organic farming. And the the other man speaking in the film is is his organic farmer, that he's sort of doing all these experiments with organic farming. So all these documentaries are trying to promote these people in a certain light. And I've, I've now sort of parsed it out into a different light so that people can kind of see the bigger picture. Um, and the series will be uh, exploring in depth the connections between all these people and the background based off of um, what's been going on in, in Cuba, Sri Lanka, um, and then how that connects to the bigger picture of, of countries like uh, China, the United States, uh, Russia, et cetera. Right. And the uh, the idea that is constantly being floated by Vandana Shiva and those who who follow her is the idea that industrial farming is the worst thing in the world, that the that that is what has caused all of our problems is industrial farming, the green revolution. You you have a different view. You uh, you make the point that there are there have been abuses of these things. But at the same time, that this is to blame industrial farming is to fall right into a trap that has been set for us uh, by those who would like to see fewer people in the world. Could you say a little bit more about what? What's your take on the green revolution and industrial farming? How could this be actually, how could Vendana be wrong about something as big as this? Well, what's interesting about Shiva and, and RFK is that they actually talk about this together a lot, is the, the green revolution being a bad thing, um, being a harmful revolution because uh, it was imposed by the Rockefellers Um and it had some negative con consequences, such as you know people not having um, access to seeds. Right, Se seeds become this sort of intellectual property that um, a, an international cartel can kind of control. Right, then they control mm -hmm. the food. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is that they are throwing out the baby with the bathwater, and they're saying that all of this is bad, and that that all. Uh, GMOs and all uh, fertilizer and all all methods of creating more food are a bad thing. Um, so mm. this is where you you kind of get into a problem, right? Because actually creating more food is a good thing because food is what keeps people alive. It was it's what prevents famine from happening. Um, so in a way, you could you could see how what they're doing is they're advocating for famine in a in a soft way, not not overtly as, as Malthus would say, you know, that we have to encourage uh, famine. They're not saying that outright, but they're sort of getting around it by saying, well, we need to go back to organic methods, which everyone knows organic methods uh, have lower yields. So lower yields result in less food and less food results in potential famines, um, less resilience against, you know, the, the the weather uh nature etc right yeah and you, we heard prince charles's uh agricultural advisor also making the point that in their ideal world uh at least 20 percent of the global population would have to be engaged in full-time agriculture directly um so that just shows that this, this is this is really a step back right towards the type of thing we saw more and more with feudalism where people were simply just doing energy physical body energy intensive agriculture um which couldn't Absolutely. sustain the type of population levels that we have come to expect is normal in our modern scientific age so that's a big deal um question on um you bring up some very startling 
uh, connections between Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who, frankly, I want to like. I want to like him. And I think I'd like to think I'm taking the hypothesis that he is being duped and that he's wrong. That's my line. Am I am I wrong? Maybe. But you bring up some very scary or concerning connections between him, Al Gore, a lot of those who were um, shapers, movers and shapers of the river keepers, and also a lot of the destructive acts that fall directly into alignment with the agenda, Agenda 2030, and a lot of the the uh, desires of the World Economic Forum that Robert uh, F. Kennedy and Vendana professed to despise. Could you say a little bit, before we go to a break in about three and a half, four minutes, could you say a little something about that? And then maybe we'll expand upon that after the break if need be. Yeah, I mean, they they talk about being opposed to neo-feudalism, and I get why people like them. You know, they're saying things that are very that are very agreeable, and people like myself and yourself, you know, we're drawn to sort of these people who are kind of dissident and and calling out what's going wrong, um, but they're kind of rerouting people into um, a neo-feudalism. Right? Uh, they're saying they're opposed to neo-feudalism while promoting the ideas that would actually reinstate a, a feudalist economy around the world um and and yeah I, I i get the appeal of of robert kennedy jr uh his his uncle and his father were great men who were taken out too soon and um you know he, i think he comes from a family where there's potential for greatness uh that we saw with his father and uncle but uh he i'm sure he he went through some difficult times uh, not having those people around and, you know, I, I have empathy for the guy, but I, I, I kind of see through his BS a little bit more than other people, I think. Um, and I can go into that more after the break, but it does have to do with New York state and where I live. So, so let's maybe do that. Let, let's switch gears, go into a little commercial break, listen to some, uh, some sponsors for TNT radio, and then uh, we'll kick back in with this deep dive into some of the misinformation behind the scenes. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current 
uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. At this moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. Now I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're back with Connecting the Dots, and I'm here with Fox Green, head of Space Commune and the architect of the new video series, Energy and Empire. We've been talking about some of the misinformation and missteps that people are in danger of taking as they navigate through fighting or resisting the Great Reset. So, um, Fox, you had brought up some something to do with river keepers and some destructive acts as far as energy, perhaps criminal incompetence might be the word for it, I, either incompetence or criminal incompetence or outright deceit that involved um, doing something very bad in your neck of the woods and uh, really attacking nuclear power more broadly as an as a, a real alternative uh, source for energy for mankind's needs, which both Vandana, but especially uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. and his uh, team over at River Keepers have been spearheading for a long time. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So what's uh, the, the point of this energy and em energy empire documentary is it's to say that energy is both food and energy for heating your home, electricity, information you know all that it's all connected it's all part of the same energetic flow right so going after gmos and going after and going after technology to increase uh food yield and going after nuclear energy has been a two things that are kind of hand in hand with what people like shiva and prince charles and or king charles and uh kennedy have been doing uh over the last a few decades really um so you know i alluded to the fact that um I was before Kennedy announced for president, I was, I was already kind of on his, he was already on my radar. I already kind of knew this guy because there's an organization. I live here in the Hudson Valley of New York and 
Indian Point Nuclear Power was, um, you know, a huge uh, nuclear power plant that provided a massive amount of energy, not only to my area, but mostly to New York City, uh, provided a quarter of the, of the power to New York City. And it was retired uh, prematurely uh, due to the activism of Riverkeeper, of which Kennedy sat at the head of for just under three decades, I think. So he was working at NRDC and Riverkeeper as a lead attorney. So he's litigating, and this is in the trailer that he talks about this, litigating against um, whether it be nuclear power or hydropower, any of these massive um, energy projects, right? Whether to prevent them from happening or to shut them down. And he was successful in shutting down Riverkeeper, which was kind of this uh, Indian, Indian Indian Point, Indian Point Nuclear. Yeah. Yep, and that was um, just north of New York City. You know, he he fear mongered about it um, after the nine eleven attacks. He would say, "Oh, well, there, it's going to be uh, terror. It's a terrorist threat." Um, you can hear in in uh, well in in part of the uh, trailer that wasn't played. He talks he talks about um, Cuba not getting. Uh, nuclear power under his um, advisement because he says, well, if something goes wrong with this power plant, he fear mongers about Chernobyl. Okay, well, then we're going to have a plume of nuclear you know, explosion come up to Washington and that's going to be a problem. So he's used these tricks for a long time. And, and people who are in the sort of nuclear advocacy, nuclear debunking uh, sector know his tricks very well. Um, laymen, unfortunately, don't because propaganda propaganda against nuclear power has been popular for decades at this point. Right? right. I, it wasn't until a few years ago that I even knew anything about nuclear energy. I was like, oh, it's just kind of scary. I don't know much about it. Me too. Um, no, absolutely. I th it's almost like you have to go through that by being born into this society where this propaganda machine has been already fear mongering for decades before you and I were even born. It's almost like something you have to realize, like discover at a certain point was is wrong. You, you very few people meet like are, are emerge into this world with an understanding of the fraud and the lies that have been caked upon um, nuclear power. So yeah, go on. I'm, I just want to, it's a that. real, yeah, it's a real red pill with nuclear energy because you realize once, once you debunk these little factoids, like, Oh, it's dangerous. It's expensive. It's this, actually it's the safest, most abundant, most, you know, it, it's, it's just the, it, it's clean. You know, if people care about uh, the environment, it doesn't have any, you know, negative outputs people care about people are worried about the waste the waste is is bare, uh, almost a non-issue the the total amount of waste created from nuclear energy in, in our entire lifetimes or it, since it's started basically in the 50s would only take up like a, a single football field or something like that it's it's just a non-issue it's a it's a wonderful miracle uh that we have this source of energy and it's a travesty it's a it's a it is a crime that it's been kept from us. Um, but that's where I start to see, uh, you know, the BRICS nations, Russia and China, sort of coming out with this nuclear renaissance. And it's been really entertaining to watch the G7 kind of catch up with them and say, oh, no, we're all for nuclear now, right? Um, now that 
now that uh, Russia, China, and the, and the BRICS nations are building so much nuclear energy uh, internationally and in their own countries, all of a sudden the G7 is like, oh, we got to catch up to these guys. So now you, you're starting to see environmental groups that are sort of going against Kennedy and going against Shiva uh, and saying, no, actually, we do have to embrace some of this technology because they're they're losing the West and the G7. They're they're losing ground in that in that regard. So they do have to kind of catch up. Um, to the BRICS nations. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the more, um, I, I mean, you, so you mentioned that Indian Point was shut down. What were the consequences of the shutdown directly upon people living in industry in uh, New York uh, state more broadly? Because well, I can say directly, directly. I got a, I got an energy bill for a thousand dollars. I got an energy bill for a thousand dollars and yeah, I could make it personal, right? Um, the energy company, the, um, the utility company that is responsible for sending out bills put out a press release that said one of the main reasons your bills everyone got these massive bills and that there was an uproar uh one of the main reasons is because nu the the nuclear power plant shut down indian point nuclear power shut down um which was the stupidest thing to do you know like the stupid if if we're supposedly in a climate crisis um which, you know, I don't really subscribe to, but the powers that be, especially in New York State, completely subscribe to. Uh, why would they be shutting down nuclear energy in the middle of this supposed crisis? You know, they're, they say one thing and they do another. And, and uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, was, it was economically devastating to uh, the town in which uh, the, the power plant was running. I personally know I've seen, I've seen guys, contractors come do freelance work in my house. And I talk to them and they say, oh yeah, I used to work for Indian Point. I used to do elect electrical stuff. I used to do pipe fitting, things like that. You know, it, it was, economically mm -hmm. devastating it, it just right. and and what scares me about uh kennedy potentially being in office which i don't think that he's has any chance of winning but if he has some sort of access maybe an appointment to the epa or something like that that they intend to spread this plan even further throughout the country which would be a disaster i mean I, i'm i'm trying to explain to people right here in new york state what's you know this is a preview of what what might happen in the rest yeah, yeah. of the country uh if we are shutting down our nuclear fleet right no i, I mean it, quebec where which is where i live um all we i i had spoken to a, a retired engineer for hydro quebec um who was the president of of the biggest union um back in the 80s and he was making the point that when working in the 70s all of the the hydro quebec engineers quebec has a lot of hydropower it was developed in in times when we had people like charles de gaulle uh daniel johnson a, a pro-industrial ethic so you know we were developing a lot of this stuff in the in the 60s and the 70s but there was an, an understanding that this was a temporary phase as we transitioned towards nuclear power and we had the john c e uh, one two three reactors that were and all of these engineers were being basically being uh, retrained to become nuclear engineers as it was completely understood that by 20 the year 2000 there was supposed to be something like 70 percent nuclear power full nuclear by 20 uh, 2010 that was the that was the commitment and that uh, in the 1970s and then there was a, just a complete systemic destruction of all of these things across the united states across europe across uh canada now of course we 
had a lot of abundance of hydropower, so it wasn't as devastating. But the ability to make the leap to the next phases of development uh, were completely sabotaged, where we just became an extractor of what already exists, sending it to the to New York, sending it to Ontario for a lot of money, um, and living always with this idea of scarcity, of less, of limits that became sort of normalized in the minds and the psyche of that entire baby boomer generation who now find it very difficult to think, well, how do you have abundance? Isn't abundance caused by evil, the destruction of nature? So I really appreciate the fact that you're zeroing in on these things. Now, you mentioned uh, the BRICS nations having a more positive, healthy outlook towards energy policy and especially nuclear and industrial food. Uh, production. Could you say a little bit more for those who don't know, like what sorts of optimistic, positive things are happening right now regarding energy policy outside of the NATO five eyes, you know, sphere of psychopath, uh, psychopathology, psychopathology is the word. It's always a tough thing to to say. Yeah, I mean, Russia it has been helping other countries. Uh, sometimes it's worked out, sometimes it hasn't, but they've been helping other countries build their nuclear capacity. Um, China is doing the same thing. You know, these two countries are are taking the lead. They're saying, you know, nuclear is the future. Uh, and, and they're helping these smaller countries gain this sort of sovereignty via nuclear energy right because right. It, it's so easy to just get a t you only you only need a tiny little bit amount of fuel to power a plant for you know months years whatever um it's it's different than than other types of of like coal you need constant you know input of of coal you need you know you you just need a lot of it right nuclear yeah. is something where you you build it and then you barely need any uranium to power your plant. Mm -hmm. So um, it, what the BRICS are doing, they're they're helping the world develop. And it's it's great. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I think the biggest thing I want people to take away is that that's a good thing and that we don't have to see it as a competition and that, w that what Americans should do and Canadians and all of us in the West, right, is we should just join. Why don't we do it with, with them, right? Why don't we help build up not only our own countries, but all these other countries that are lagging so far behind, you know, all these African countries, um, Cuba deserves to finally get their nuclear power plant that was mm -hmm. put on hold by, uh, by the Americans, you know, because of the collapse of the Soviet Union that, that fell through. So, um, you know, all these countries that are energy impoverished, they, they could, completely benefit from nuclear energy. And the thing is too, I'm not a nuclear advocate who's like, oh, well, we need, we have to get rid of fossil fuels. I, I think fossil fuels are a great resource too, that we should continue to keep using because they are cheap to develop. Um, there's a lot of them uh, and we should, you know, Africa should be able to use fossil fuels. And that's, that's one of the big things that uh, the West wants to try to stop. A lot of the nuclear advocacy in the West will say, well, we want to build nuclear for Africa, but they need to get off fossil fuels. No, they need both. You know, they need it for their agricultural inputs. Like nuclear, you can't use that for agriculture. You have to still use fossil fuel for agriculture. Um, and we should use all these things as as a tool um, and and ignore all this climate nonsense, you know, because it's so, it's so clearly you know, uh, a political tool, a geopolitical tool. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, that's that's one thing I've noticed in my research in geopolitics and energy policy is that when you contrast the approach to Africa or a lot of the poor countries who have been consciously kept poor by neocolonialism, by the IMF, the World Bank, run by a bunch of neo-Malthusian priests that want depopulation and anti-industrialism, you contrast that 80-year policy that we've already been doing to the to these poor countries, and you you look then at what Russia or China or a lot of the BRICS oriented countries are doing regarding Africa. And they're actually, it's very different in terms of just money alone. There's relatively proportional amounts of quantitative money. But if you look at where the money is going, as far as loans and investments, foreign direct investments and other things into, into Africa, it's high, high intensive industry, high intensive agriculture, nuclear power, also coal and, and oil development, like anything that these countries have under their soil, why not allow them to use it for the benefit of their people as well as of their industry? Um, like, I mean, why not? Right. It's it wouldn't it make better business as well? It's not like it's not like they're being it's not because people say, oh, but China's China's doing things for themselves. And it's like, yeah, why not? Why? Why not help other people have a better standard of living? And at the same time, wouldn't that make better business? Because these people will be buying more of your products. You'll be buying better quality products from them. Isn't that just common sense? I mean, exactly. It's crazy. I think they call it win-win cooperation, which is the antithesis to a zero-sum game, right? Um, And I think that is that new world order, which, you know, sounds like a scary thing. But this is like the new sentiment that is penetrating the world is, is actually you can win and I can win. And this paradigm of, you know, zero sum game where there has to be some winners and some losers and somebody has to be in control and some, you know, if somebody benefits, it's at the expense of somebody else, then, you know, people are saying that's, that's nonsense. We actually don't have to operate that way. Although I would say people in the United States are still very much under that guise. And and I would love for my fellow Americans to realize that we don't actually have to live that way, that we don't have to have enemies. Uh, we can actually build things. And that is the antidote to uh, war, right? And conflict. The only way you're going to win a war is through peace. Uh, you're never going to say, oh, well, we, we won the war. And 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 we killed a bunch of people and we're dominating you now okay well then you're going to have a bunch of resentful people that are you know crippled underdeveloped uh their economy destroyed you know it it, war and constant war is is just a, a losing situation we we need to start reversing that through alternatives and building peace and and exiting this cold war that we've been in that never ended you know, people say, oh, the Cold War ended when the when the Soviet Union fell. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think that it's still going and that we we need to end it. And that's the moral obligation of our generation is to end this Cold War. Russia and China are not enemies of America that historically. And why should they be now? You know, we they were our allies in defeating Nazi Germany and and the uh, the evil access of Italy and Japan, right? Why all of a sudden are they our enemies now, right? It, do, it doesn't make any sense. What happened no, my, my, now and then? Yeah, it yeah. made them our I enemies. Mean, right. I mean, my my concern is that I know that there is a certain proportion of people who are listening to the words you're saying and thinking, aha, he's talking about world peace cooperation. I hear 
Klaus Schwab and King Charles and using similar words, you're and this guy I'm listening to, Fox, is obviously an agent, a dupe for the New World Order. And he's actually, you know, and I think people have just been so um have been swimming in so much Cold War hysterics and misinformation from McCarthyism, the John Birch Society, which is also, you know, really flooded into things like Alex Jones's whole psyche, um, which were themselves created by these Wall Street pro-fascist bankers back in the 1930s and 40s who were funding fascism and Nazism. You know, that's the that's the real story of Nazism. It didn't have to happen. It, it, it happened artificially because you had high level central bankers, occultists, Wall Street bankers, industrialists like, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation, Standard Standard uh, Oil, uh, the Bank of England funding and artificially cultivating this whole machinery of fascism to be the driving force of a new depopulated feudalist world order managed by strongmen enforcers in different jurisdictions, but always obedient to a higher banking elite. And uh, and these same figures who are trying to fund the coup d'etat to kill Roosevelt, to, who, who tried to fund the assassination attempt uh, of Roosevelt in 33, uh, who tr- who were funding fascism. They were the same bankers, J.P. Morgan front groups, who then created the John Birch Society, who created these various Austrian school think tanks after World War II that shaped the psyche and the propaganda given to all the baby boomers and everybody every single day of the Cold War that never was resolved. And it's just being reactivated like a charm, like a spell. So I'm going to I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the destructive acts of um, regenerative farming as far as it's been employed. I'm not against regenerative farming in general, but in for, as far as how it's being deployed by King Charles, Vindana Shiva, uh, Bobby Kennedy, um, as far as Sri Lanka as a case study and others, uh, other places, I'd like to discuss this when we get back from a, a commercial break. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Folks, this happened a few weeks ago, but it's such a heartwarming holiday story. I want you to watch. New York Mets superstar Pete Alonso has a foundation that helps veterans. Here it is. Pete Alonso, his wife, the Alonso Foundation, obviously was influential in helping. Oh, my God. I mean, you never know who's watching in New York City, right? right? Maybe he's watching today. If you could say anything to Mr. Alonso, what would you say to him right now if you could look? Oh, Sean. Thank, thank you so much. You saved my life. You saved my Sean, we have a... How about you look to the right? Holy <laughs> <laughs> We're on a delay. <laughs> hey, how we doing? Um, how was it going? How was it going? Good. Thank Good. you so yeah. much. Yeah, so we have a, we have a gift for you as well. <laughs> What's up, Bear? That was What's up, Stud? Uh, and, and then uh, we also have a signed bat for you oh. as well. <sighs> That's a lot to take in. What a great story. Thanks for watching. I'm Steve Malsberg. Thanks for giving me a minute. And don't forget to catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. She used to dance and dream of a better life a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today.
Dots. Perception versus the truth. This is Connecting the Dots with Matt Aaron on today's News Talk TNT Radio. All right, we're back with Fox Green on Connecting the Dots. I am for I am for regenerative farming. I'm for organic farming, but to put your entire society of 8 billion people onto a, a complete reliance simply on that alone um, seems to be um, a bit of an extreme that pe- some people are leaping to because of the obvious destructiveness that we have seen with Monsanto, Cargill, Archer Daniels Midland, the destruction of the food supply through a lot of the abuses of uh, of of technology infused in mass, you know, agriculture as far as owning the patents to life. There's been a bad abuses galore. And you pointed out throwing out the baby with the bathwater is also a mistake. Finding some balance is probably a much, much healthier thing. But you made the point also in your in your writings and also in your, you're going to be making this in your documentary series. Vandana Shiva was largely a driving force behind what was done in Sri Lanka um, to devastating effects. Could you say a little bit more about what was Sri Lanka's story? What exactly happened that we should be learning from as a, as a warning sign? Yeah, um, so Sri Lanka, they um, <clears throat> they had sort of promise to go to transition into organic and i should note that organic is kind of a misnomer anyways because it comes from uh organic or an organic compound is something that contains carbon (laughs) so to say that you're getting rid of carbon from your process uh you're actually it's the opposite of organic And all this stuff is about technology and how you use it, right? Technology is neither bad nor good. It's how it's how it's used and what the intention is. So Sri Lanka um, did agree to transition to organic uh, agriculture over the course of, I think, 10 years, something like that. Um, And then all of a sudden in in 2021, they decided, nope, we're going to do it immediately. And everything went went haywire um you know it caused a, a crisis overlapping crisis um and then that creates uh instability in the country right and then when there's instability then things can kind of happen behind the scenes um regime change things like that um we're still kind of seeing how that's playing out right um what happened in sri lanka is different it's to juxtapose it to what's happened in cuba Cuba has been a very slow, slow, um, you know, increase of organic agriculture due to certain circumstances over time. Sri Lanka was just overnight. So the problem with Sri Lanka is that, and and they've reversed it since then, right? They said, okay, this is, this was way too fast. Even the people who are pro-organic said, no, this, they didn't do it well. They, they should have rolled it out a little bit slower. Um, it kind of opens the door to, to question, well, why, why did they do this in the first place? Why, what was the point of, of switching over to organic? Was it actually something that was supposed to benefit the people of Sri Lanka? Or is it actually this tool, a geopolitical tool for creating instability in a country? Um, and, you know, there is a Kissinger, of course, everything comes back to Kissinger, but he put out a document actually saying decades ago, 
sort of warning that this could happen, that, that this could happen in Sri Lanka, uh, that this could create political unrest. So you start to ask like, okay, how is this being used as a tool? Is it being used as a tool to help people and increase uh, the well-being of Sri Lankans via you know healthy organic food and and a better economy or is it being used to create chaos and i i think it's pretty clear what's going on with sri lanka i don't think westerners pay as much attention to sri lanka as they do to you know sort of more western and european countries and south america but sri lanka we should keep an eye on what's going on there because um they also play a key role as well with their relationship to India, you know, they're an island off of India and, right. and their relationship with China as well. Um, they're right. They are fr very friendly. They have good trade relations with China. So a lot of, a lot of this was to sort of position China as, as the bad guys. Um, how, how was think, that? Done? I think that might've been, been a big motivation for why they wanted to do a lot of this. How was that done? Cause I know that there is a lot of, yeah. How was that done exactly to, uh, to position China or, or paint China as the cause of Sri Lanka's problems? Well, you know, the, the narrative is that China is doing debt trap diplomacy, right? That they're, right. they're letting, they're, they're lending out a lot of money to countries to help them build infrastructure and whatnot. Um, China wasn't even their biggest lender, but the, the picture was painted that this was somehow China's fault. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's to create chaos, instability, and to create narratives of China being sort of the the bad guy in the situation, rather than the West and and you know the World Bank and the IMF giving giving out loans that are predatory, sort of projecting that onto China, um, saying that they're doing debt debt trap diplomacy. Um, rather than actually what you mentioned before, which is, okay, you build up your economy, I build up my economy, and we can all benefit from that situation. I'm doing I'm doing this for my own good, but it actually benefits you as well, and we can have win-win cooperation in that regard. Right. Well, I I think that the, the idea of government in general has been something which people don't fully understand the power and the technology of government itself, because government kind of is a form of of technology when you think about it it, it ha it's like a, it's like a machinery of government there's many moving parts but there's a purpose why the design was put into place now not all governments are created equal um but their design is supposed to be for the benefit of the people right who ideally in a democracy unlike the type of theocracy that king king charles wishes to to rule over as the head of the anglican church as well as the uh, the head of of uh, the official head of state of of all governments within the or most governments within the Commonwealth, um, there's this idea that there should be a purpose why laws, economic, political, military, everything exists for the purpose of the the well being of the people by representatives of the people. Um, that was the whole experiment of the United States to begin with. But I think a lot of people today have been so jaded and rendered cynical by the abuses of this technology of government under the control of people like Henry Kissinger and, and others that we've been bringing up that just like in the case of technology or industrial agriculture or, or nuclear power, they've thrown out the baby with the bath bathwater saying, thus, the only way to have a, a just society is to have no sovereign, no government, no government. And it's like, wait a minute. But if, if, if you've all also acknowledged 
that Henry Kissinger and those who Kissinger works for that want to reduce the world population have also wanted to get rid of this sovereign nation state to bring about a one world government, then aren't you playing directly into their designs by calling for no government having a role to play in economic decision making? Isn't that sort of like putting us into a situation where we have no weapon to wield in our defense and in opposition to the desires of that very oligarch oligarchy itself, right? Of course. And and what better way to get people to accept that than to think that they're the ones who want it themselves, right? <laughs> if they're right. the ones who say, well, we don't want government, they say, oh, okay, well, you don't want government. This is what you chose, right? Um, but exactly. I love the way you talk about uh, government as a technology, right? Um, government, whether it's government, nuclear energy, uh, farming, agriculture, organic, all these all these things are technologies and, and they can be used in a terrible way or they can be used in a good way. And they they themselves are not bad. Or vaccines, right? Vaccines is a great one. Um, the technology itself is not bad. And I think that that is the role that characters like Kennedy and Shiva play is that they redirect that energy, that frustration that people feel when they're trying to figure out, well, I know something's wrong, but I don't know what is the cause of it. And they're trying to navigate that. Um, and they they take that energy, that angst. They say, I hear you. You're right. We're going to speak truth to power. And they reroute it against technology itself. Um, and that puts people in a really bad position because we absolutely, you're right. If we actually do want to fix what we can all sense is going wrong in the world and make a better world for all of humanity, we do have to, uh, you know, use technology. We can't go back to living like cavemen. You know, that's, it's, it's irresponsible. It's, it's shirking away from who we are, which is human beings. We're not meant to live like little animals on, on the land. Um, we're meant to create a society of abundance for all of us and be creative and discover things and and you know uh be shaping the universe in a, a a positive direction that's our our role and it's a hard role and it it's uh it takes a lot of strength and courage but that's what we're supposed to do as human beings is we're supposed to take on the responsibility of free will and shaping our world. And the only way to do that is to embrace technology, not to throw it away and say, I want to be a little animal living on the land, um, be a little caveman or a peasant or whatever. It's, it's burying your head in the sand. Um, and I hope people can kind of come to that revelation themselves um, and not be duped by these characters who say, well, the only way to be Klaus Schwab is to go into your hut in the woods and live like Ted Kaczynski, because when you think about it, it makes literally no sense. Of course, they want you to do that. You're easier to control if you're living, you know, like a, like a person on, on the show naked and afraid where you're living in the woods and trying to survive. I love watching those shows because they show right. very quickly how, how much technology, how much we love modern technology and society. We complain about it so much. Um, because it's being used in such a negative way to hurt us. Um, so it's, mm -hmm. it's easy, it's easy for that to become the scapegoat, but, but we got to like not fall into these easy traps of saying, okay, well, all technology is bad and all technology is the problem. Yeah, no, I, I, this is what I like about you, Fox. You, you have a reasonable 
quality of optimism, scientific optimism, which is very rare to see it engaged in such a manner that it's not delusional. Like you, you hear a lot of people speaking in these World Economic Forum type environments, speaking with uh, very optimistic language. You know, even Yuval Harari says, with new advances in the fourth industrial revolution, we'll have no more hunger. But obviously now we're going to have a giant new class of useless people that will have to like pacify with drugs and video games. But of course, we'll have abundance and blah, blah, blah. But you could see the disgenuineness in the, the tone and how they're, how people like that are thinking about technology, which is obviously um, a lie. They, they, they don't see it as something which is tied to the moral development of people, the emancipation from empire, because they themselves are high priests of empire. They believe in a society run by scientific management and computers managing a limited, ever greater scarcity in a world of diminishing returns. That's what he's committed to. So every view of technology is simply to benefit his masters and crush or enslave those who he despises, which is most people. But hearing you speaking, this is like it, 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 it's good for the soul in a sense, because it's so rare to hear people actually saying, OK, no, we love human beings. Nation states are great. Let's use these things. Let's use everything that human beings have created as far as new discoveries and their application of technologies to do what humans do and help ourselves break free of empire and overcome limits to growth. Let's let's have more people at a higher quality of life. It's just, it's so simple by taking that yeah. philosophical view and it resolves so many other problems that um, are intellectually paradoxes, unresolved paradoxes and a lot of resistance fighters, I guess you could call it in the truth movement who hate depop, they hate the, the, the imperialism of the great reset and they have no intellectual ability to properly combat this machinery. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, question. Before we go into uh, or end, end out our show, what is, what is fusion power? How is it different from fission power? And do you see this as being, are we closer than we think to breakthroughs in fusion technology? Oh, I'm I'm actually not the person to ask about that, um, but I think that we are. Yes, I, I think we are on the trajectory of of getting closer to these um, more advanced tech, uh, nuclear technologies, other than just fission. Uh, I think there are breakthroughs happening in China actually about fusion. Mm. Um, there's breeder reactors. Very exciting things on the horizon as far as nuclear technology is is considered. So, you know, people people can nerd out about that stuff. It's, it's, it's a great world to like learn more, more about nuclear. Uh, I highly recommend it. I've only started learning the last few years. Um, okay. and I'm already, you know, super excited about it. There's a lot to learn. Um, and I encourage other people to, to learn about nuclear energy, nuclear power. Well, as far as, um, as things like thorium molten salt reactors, um, third, what what are, what what are these sorts of things like what what is because I know China's building a thorium they actually have one worked out they've it's built um in the Gobi Desert or something um and then you have as you mentioned breeder reactors how are these exciting like wh why should people get excited about these sorts of things uh I because I mean what's what's this show all about is it overcoming the limits to growth right is that um yeah that's the much. potential right <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that this is a major, you know, all these technologies are a major discovery that could could do things like, you know, green deserts. Uh, that we, to, 
I know Cynthia talks about the plasma mm -hmm. torch, which is yeah, that is in itself is an amazing thing because you know you, you talk about landfills getting being depressing about like oh all this trash we're creating yeah that really is a problem but what about plasma torches could turn landfills into a thing of the past what about yeah. space exploration yeah. I mean there's so much potential with this stuff it, it's like launching us into a whole new you know it's a new conversation what it's a new geometry about. it's a new geometry of possibilities yeah. so spacecommune.com people have to go there follow fox green on uh, and watch this documentary trailer share it this has been matthew Ariot on connecting the dots